Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to a special trade deadline episode of Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod, TikTok if you've got it. And you already know, this is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you for everybody joining me late night. I'm sorry it's so late. I just came out from the Pepperdine game. Shout out to Pepperdine. Big win over BYU. Two wins in a row after a big losing streak. So shout out to them waves. And everybody in the live. Let's. So this is the way I'm going to do it. Shout out to all my Laker fans, my Clipper fans, my regulars. I'm going to start with the order in which it happened. Clippers, I'm probably going to save towards the end. So if you're listening to this and just want to come for the Clippers, there will be time stamped in the, in the comments. And in the description for the podcast version. So let's get right into it. The reason why I'm saying Clippers last is because I got a lot to say about it, obviously. And especially certain guys on the way out. But I'm just going to start off by reading. Like, I'm going to go through Woj's Twitter and do it that way chronologically. Today is what? February 9th? So yesterday. I couldn't believe it, man. My socks got blown off. And if you're watching the YouTube version, you can see behind me I'm on the Lakers court. For a reason. Rob Palinka, after all the slander he's received, and you know what? Granted, this season, he doesn't has not assembled a good team. You can obviously talk about the rust trade, but in my opinion, from everything we've heard, that was a player-pushed move for the most part. And, you know, I don't mind Palinka saying at that time, trusting LeBron and AD to, to pull the trigger. If they really wanted Russ, Russ is coming off a season in Washington when he's averaged a triple-double, was playing good ball, especially in the second half of the season. You know, if they wanted him, why not? But this season, the Lakers just didn't have the upgrade of a roster they needed. And I know the Russ contract was really hard to move off of, but they didn't have any wings. And you can't be taken seriously, in my opinion, if you don't really have any wings. The only one they got was Juan Toscano-Anderson. And that's clearly not working out because he's out the door. So that brings me to the deal. Unbelievable work. The Lakers are finalizing a deal to land D'Angelo Russell. Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, Mike Conley and Picks go to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Russell Westbrook and a lightly protected 2027 Laker first round pick to Utah. Only one. Remember the Lakers have been stingy with two first round picks. Juan Toscano Anderson and Damian Jones to Utah, Nikhil Alexander Walker to Minnesota. The 2027 Laker pick first round to the Jazz is protected one through four. So if it lands one through four, Lakers can keep it. So let's, where should we start? 
Should we start with the Lakers side? I mean, this is a LA Sports Channel, so we might as well. I cannot. I still keep. I can't. I keep repeating myself, but I. I can't fucking believe Rob Palenka just pulled this fleece. This is the most ridiculous Laker trade, in my opinion, since Gasol. It won't have the results of Pau Gasol, three straight championship appearances, but they took away... I mean, Russell Westbrook's fit was just awful. We don't need to go in depth about it. It was an awful fit. Russ and LeBron, it just wasn't it. And they both, you know... LeBron should have either known better about Russ's inability to play off the ball... And Russ should have just, you know, I feel like he just didn't really get it. And he didn't understand that if it wasn't Russ ball, he just didn't seem happy. I will say he was professional about certain things, but I also think he was just, I'm a big Russ fan, so I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm just going to say it was a bad fit and that, and leave it at simply. But it was clearly a cloud hanging over him. And I think he's going to be relieved to go. I just, we'll just see where he lands next. I know the rumors and what everyone's thinking in the chat and listening to this right now. We'll address it at the end. But Russell Westbrook's Laker tenure comes to an end after a year and a half. It was an absolute disaster and by far the worst tenure of Russell Westbrook's career. But bringing in, and you know, Juan Toscano Anderson and Damian Jones weren't really playing like that. You're bringing in three things that immediately fulfill every single need. You get a third guy in D'Angelo Russell. In my opinion, D'Angelo Russell, that's a perfect role for him to be a third option on a championship team. Now I know this flaws in D'Lo. He doesn't really, he's not really interested in guarding. He doesn't really get to the rim like that. He's mostly a contested shot maker and a tough shot maker, but he's a really talented player. He can knock down the three ball and that's the big thing. He can play, he can spot up. For LeBron, for AD. You can also play making pick and roll. Very underrated passer, in my opinion. I've always been high on D'Lo since he started out with the Lakers. And it's funny how it all comes full circle because Magic traded D'Lo because he violated the bro code with the whole Nick Young thing. And they shed Mozgov's salary so they can go for somebody like a LeBron James. And now D'Angelo Russell is back playing with LeBron James. Perfect replacement. Uh, I'm going to get into the Minnesota and Utah side of things in a bit. But just starting, with, starting out with the Lakers, what a move there. Now, you add the Lakers, one thing they've lacked all season, three-point shooting. You bring in Malik Beasley, who's a certified sniper in my opinion. Can hit the three ball. Guys can run him off the line. He can pull up for the mid-range. He's athletic. And then the best part of the deal, in my opinion. Jared Vanderbilt. Every team has been wanting Jared Vanderbilt. A 6'9 or 6'10. I don't even know what he's listed at. Wing that guards first options. Is an improving three-point shooter. And is athletic as shit. That's what, you know, <coughs> fuck. You know, <coughs> Jeez, throat's dry. But anyway, that's what a lot of Clipper fans have been saying that they need to replace Marcus Morris with is a guy like Jared Vanderbilt. But it just, I can't believe the Lakers pulled that off. For They get rid of Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, one first-round pick, and Damian Jones. For D'Lo, Jared Vanderbilt, that's now going to guard first options. That's what the Lakers needed, a wing that guarded first options. You now have, what's it called? D'Angelo Russell, 
Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, and Malik Beasley, and you gave up Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, a couple of second-round picks, and a first-rounder, and Juan Descano, Anderson, and Damian Jones. Absolute fleece. And now when we look back at Rob Palinka's tenure as Laker manager, a GM, it looks a little different now, doesn't it? Just by that one move, because think about it this way. 2019-20, built a championship team. 2020-2021, yeah, he may have made some questionable moves. But at the end of the day, that team had a chance to win the West if they were healthy. And they just had a bunch of injuries. They were playing good ball when they were healthy. And then 2022, the Russ trade, as I said, I put that more on LeBron and AD, personally. And then this season, yes, he was poor this season. But he did it. He made a big move. Now the question is, is it too little too late for them? I mean, I don't think it is. Because the Jazz, you know, giving up Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley are showing they're trying to go full tank. They're trying to go in the lottery and get a nice pick. They don't, they're not going to make the plan unless Lowry Markinen and J.C. Jordan Clarkson go absolutely nuclear. That spot is opened up to me for either the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Lakers. But the thing is, AD and LeBron need to play these games. You know, I know LeBron's had that lingering ankle issue and in the record-breaking game. And by the way, I did make a special tribute episode for LeBron, so please check that out, my last episode. But LeBron was, didn't finish the game. So if that lingering ankle problem that you know he's had since the Solomon Hill, I'm pretty sure it's the same ankle, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the same ankle that Solomon Hill fell on in the 2020-2021 season that kind of derailed him. And I personally don't think he's been the same since then. Um, but he's still you know, great and still as athletic as anyone, and especially for his age. I mean, it's just unheard of. But the point is, no more load. Like, he needs to play. He needs to play. And AD needs to play. If it's soreness, they got to risk it for the biscuit, right? You went all in with this trade. I mean, what are you waiting for? LeBron in year 21? Come on. He's playing great basketball right now. AD is playing really good basketball when he's healthy. But there's not that much time to get this thing going. And now Darvin Ham, you know, he needs to be, he's got the wings now. He's got no excuse. The Lakers can roll out a lineup with Jared Vanderbilt, AD, LeBron, and Rui Hachimura, and then Malik Beasley just shooting the ball. Beasley, their smallest guy. Everyone else is like 6'8 and like 230 plus. It's a totally different team. You have Jared Vanderbilt guarding, guarding first options, AD protecting the rim. I mean, you have size on the wings. Totally different ball game. Totally different ball game. Now, can they win the championship? That's way premature for that. But the Lakers got to start winning games. They lost to the Bucks tonight. Absolute gold. I know for many Laker fans, you might be thinking, well, what about the other trade the Lakers made? We'll get into it. We're going to Rose's timeline now. Let's keep it moving. Oh, yeah. I should talk about the Jazz and um, even though everybody hates the fucking Utah trash. The Jazz and the Wolves side of things. So for the Jazz, it's very clear what they're doing. They're going full-on tank mode. Danny Ainge is trying to stack up on picks. And I'm just going to read Woj's tweet verbatim. It says, The Jazz have assembled a massive package of assets, including 15 unprotected or lightly protected first-round picks through 2029 and a young core of Lowry Markkinen, Walker Kessler, Colin Sexton, and Oshai Agbaji, and $60 million-plus in potential cap space. So the Jazz, I mean, they're pretty set up nicely for the future. As for Minnesota is where I'm most confused. Now, I know the obvious thing is they didn't want to pay D'Angelo Russell. My thing was this, before I heard some news a couple hours ago. My thing was this. I think D'Angelo Russell's a really good player. I personally do. I think he can be a 
potential. I think what he's, as I said, the third option on a championship team potentially, I think he could be that. I think he does make the Wolves better, and I think he's having a pretty good season. Most Wolves fans I've heard from are saying he's having a pretty good season. His numbers look pretty good. But here's the thing. D'Lo apparently, so no, my here my biggest issue when I first heard the news was this. You get Mike Conley. Yeah, he's a good role player. Yeah, he probably is a better defender. He's he's definitely a better defender right now than D'Lo, even though he's declined, in my opinion, defensively. I saw him get destroyed last year in the first round, and we went at him in game six of the playoffs. However, he was coming off an injury in that game, so I can't be too, you know. But I, I was really focusing on him last year in the playoffs, and Dallas, he was Jalen Brunson and Dinwiddie were giving him the business. So to me, Mike Conley is not that same defender he once was. And I get the line of thinking that he's a, you know, they want a guy that's a role player and may be a better, like just, you know, a role player, not take away shots from Cat and Ant. But I don't know, is Cat and Ant too, like enough offense to, to make it like go far in the playoffs? I feel like they need a third scorer. But now I heard a couple hours ago, that Rudy Escargobert and D'Lo don't get along. And D'Lo was like talking shit about him in front of people. And again, D'Lo, you know, his history as a teammate right now is not looking very good. And, you know, the, the, the Wolves sold the farm for Gobert, for Escargobert. So D'Lo was expendable. His contract was coming. Uh, it's going to be an, ex it's an expiring contract. Lakers going to have a decision to make, but they have the rest of the season to figure it out. But D'Lo is home back where it began where he spent two years with the Lakers, 2015-16 and 2016-17 before he was traded to Brooklyn, where as of now was his best tenure in my opinion. But I think he was pretty good for the Wolves. I mean, that was a special run last year for that franchise, you know, to win the play-in game and make it to the playoffs and win two playoff games. I mean, that was pretty cool for them. But, yeah, I think Minnesota, in my opinion, are the biggest losers in the trade because they're not going to win a series I thought they maybe had a chance with D'Lo. Probably not, though. But now, to me, they have less of a chance. And the Lakers obviously won big. And the Jazz did what they wanted to do. Let's keep it moving, though, on Woj's timeline. The Knicks are trading Cam Reddish and a protected future first-round pick to the Blazers for Josh Hart. In the Josh Hart... Let's see. The Knicks are sending Ryan Archie Diakono. I didn't even know he's on the Knicks. And Svi Mikhailuk to the Blazers in the deal too. In the Hart Reddish deal, the Knicks are sending the Blazers a lottery protected 2023 first round pick. Okay, so that's this upcoming year's first round pick. Hmm. The Knicks probably won't be in the lottery though. That turns into four future second round picks if not conveyed this year. Okay. I'd say the Knicks made out pretty well with that. Josh Hart's a good player. And Cam Reddish wasn't even playing. I hope Cam Reddish finally gets a chance to play in Atlanta. I really hope so. Atlanta. That's where he started. I mean, uh, Portland. I really hope so. But Josh Hart, I mean, he, I've always been high on Josh Hart since he was here in L.A. He plays defense. He's a fantastic rebounding guard. He can hit the three ball. And I think he's a really good finisher in transition. But mainly, I love how he plays defense. And he's also a Chelsea fan. So he gets extra brownie points from me. But... I like that for the Knicks. I absolutely like that for the Knicks. Does he start? I mean, they got Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. They start every game. I think they started Quinton Grimes against us. So I would start Josh Hart. Yeah. Gets right in there. Why not? 
Why not? Knicks fans comment um, if I'm wrong on that one. So the sending the Blazers a lottery protected 2023 first round pick. So it probably won't fall in the lottery. So the Blazers will probably get like the, you know, the eight that I want to say like what the 17th, 18th pick, something like that. The Toronto Raptors, moving on to them, are requiring San Antonio Spurs center Jakob Portal for Kem Birch, a protected 2024 first-round draft pick, and two future second-round picks. It's funny because it all comes full circle, right? Jakob was in the Kawhi deal to San Antonio alongside DeMar DeRozan, and now he is back playing for the Toronto Raptors. And it's a big-time move for the Raptors because they haven't had a center for, like, two years. So I'm happy they have him because he's a good player. You know, funny story about Jakob Pertl. I saw him play for Utah against USC at the Galen Center, and he was lighting up Chemezi Metu, like, lighting his ass up so bad. Chemezi Metu was a freshman, though, I want to say. But Jakob Pertl was looking like Jokic out there. <laughs> he was dominant. And from that moment on, I, you know, I was a fan of his game. Obviously traded in the Kawhi deal. And it's funny. I saw him in uh, Venice, rooftop bar one time. I said, what's good to him? Funny. <laughs> but anyway, so good for Jakob. I think it's going to be a great chance for him to play with a team that's actually competing a little bit. And you know what's really funny is that's the only move Toronto made. I heard that they were talking about Fred Van Vliet, but they wanted Terrence Mann from the Clippers, and the Clips were like, no dice. Good job, Lawrence Frank. Good job, Lawrence and Logo. They know how valuable T is and how much we love him here in Los Angeles. But the Spurs are running it up on young players and draft capital now with 13 first-round picks secured through 2029 and the expectation that they'll gather even more. That's Woj. He's talking about the Spurs, who are in complete rebuild mode, full-on Wemby sweepstakes. I have a weird feeling he's going to be a Spur. Weird feeling. Because I don't know. It seems like every... Couple decades, the Spurs draft generational big man. So we'll see about that. I think Pop should retire. I don't like what else does he have to prove. I feel like this is just hurting his all-time winning percentage. But hey, gotta appreciate him while he's here, right? So good move for the Raptors overall. The funny part is they didn't give up anyone. So Fred Van Vliet's still there, Gary Trent's still there, OG Ananobi's still there, and Spicy P's still there. So might as well go all out and try to make that play in Toronto. Come on. I had them as the eighth seed, so why not? And now for the big one, the absolute big one. We're making moves, guys. Don't don't worry. That's not on. That's on purpose. That I turned my camera off for the YouTube people. We're switching settings right now. Switching settings, and now we have landed in Brooklyn, New York, where things have gone to absolute shit. I cannot even believe it. It felt like with the Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie trade that the Brooklyn Nets were still trying to have a team that was going to be competitive this year with Kevin Durant. Clearly, it wasn't a championship team, as I said to Caleb the, from the Brooklyn Netcast when he joined us the other day. It wasn't a championship team, and everybody knew that. They had no second star. And I was like, there's no way that KD, to thinking to myself, there's no way that Kevin Durant wastes you know, I want to say that lightly. I don't believe you're wasting. I agree with Katie when he's like, I'm just I'm just having fun. I'm hooping. I love that attitude. Just doing your best on whatever team you're on. But to me, there's no way that KD, you know, in, the, in his heart of hearts knows. Or I'm saying, sorry. There's no way that KD would sacrifice a year of him playing at this high a level with no chance of winning a ring. You know, he's in the twilight of his prime. Every single year where he's playing at this high a level, 
on both ends of the floor, he wants to be in a position where he's got a chance. I think he's in today's NBA where the stars get basically all, all, the players of his caliber get basically whatever they want. Except, you know, I guess in this situation, they got whatever they want and the Nets started playing hardball. We'll get into it in a second. But in this era where they can do that, I mean, I feel like it's only fair that he has a chance to compete at this age. So this one came out of absolutely nowhere. The Phoenix Suns are nearing a blockbuster deal to acquire Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. The Suns are sending Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who ended up on the Bucks, good move from Milwaukee. Four first-round picks, a 2028 pick swap for Durant and TJ Warren, who goes back to Phoenix. Nets get unprotected picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. 2023 picks this year is not going to be that high. Probably fall within 20s. And then 2025, I mean, we'll see. At least the Nets get some picks back, some first-round picks back. Because they lost a bunch to Houston when they traded for Harden, which ended up being a disaster. But man, let's get into it. I'm just going to do the net side real quick first. What an absolute disaster. Joe Sy and Sean Marks did such a bad... I mean, this was one of the worst... Probably the worst front office like blunder and mishandling or series of unfortunate events in like a four-year, five-year time span that I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I haven't been alive that long, but it was an absolute train wreck. Let's just review it real quick. They signed KD and Kyrie Irving out of nowhere. I mean, absolute scenes for Brooklyn fans. And then, sadly though, you have to, you know, the first year KD tears is... uh you know, he's, he's already had, coming off a torn Achilles, doesn't play the first year. But something that we didn't realize was going to be the death of him, coronavirus. I believe strongly that if the coronavirus pandemic didn't happen, Kyrie and Kevin Durant would still be nets. But a big incident happened. And in the second year, the Nets made a big mistake. After seeing the Lakers win a championship with two stars and great role players, they went for broke. Now, I don't know how much of it was KD, how much of it was just them going out and getting him, but in my opinion, giving up Harden was a mistake. Not because it was a terrible fit on the court, but because they gave up their entire future plus Jared Allen for him. And the funny part is they almost got lucky enough to win. They could have won. But and I also have to mention that Kyrie Irving randomly disappeared on multiple occasions last season when it was strict COVID rules still and was just being irresponsible and just would randomly leave and be in focus groups. And it just didn't seem like his number one priority at that time was being serious about getting regular season wins and building that continuity. But the Nets almost still did it. And then 2022, the vaccination situation. We've already talked about it so much. But Kyrie doesn't play. The Nets don't let him be a part-timer. And then all of a sudden, let him play. It's just insane. And then Harden doesn't like the whole situation. He saw the writing on the wall. It's crazy because I have to give James Harden props for that now. And I'm not a James Harden fan at all, as you know. But he was right. He saw the writing on the wall, and he got out of that shit show when he could. 
and he's in a better spot now with Maury, his boy. And Philadelphia has, a, you know, obviously a much better chance of winning the chip now than Brooklyn. But I also think that James Harden would have never left if it wasn't for the Kyrie Irving situation. And I think Kevin Durant also, to me, to just kind of like, you know, uh, Kyrie's going to do Kai and I'm just going to do my thing. Like, to me, KD's just too cool for school. Like, he's not hungry enough to win rings, for ring, like, to do it the hard way to me. But here's the thing, that I think KD work ethic-wise in his own craft is like top-notch. Like, I hear what people say, and I respect his talent, but to me, he's just not a galvanizer. Like, the fact that he quit, said, uh, tweets about, like, what does even a leader mean? Like, I understand there's lead-by-example guys, but the fact that you're even asking that question, like, to me, if you ask Magic Johnson or LeBron James, Larry Bird, Kareem, Bill Russell, Kobe, these kind of people, what a leader is, they would actually be able to actually have a description. Kevin Durant, to me, if it was if it were those guys I just named, they would have said, Katie, Kyrie, you're already getting vaccinated, bro. Or like, I'm going to ask them to trade you because like, I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm trying to win this ring. And it was just, it blew up in their face. It blew up in their face last season when they got swept. And then everybody started to use Nash as the scapegoat. And look, Nash wasn't a very good coach, but who wanted Nash? People say, oh, he was Marx's friend. I know he was Marx's friend. But KD did not like Kenny Atkinson. It was very clear and well reported. And I have people, multiple sources that I know that confirmed to me that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant met with Nash. One of them said he flew him out on a private jet. Other one said he had food with him. They, they had dinner with him. They fuck with Steve. They wanted, And when Kyrie Irving says we don't need a coach, it could be Kevin on a given night. It could be Ky, me on a given night. That tells you everything about them in that moment of time. They didn't want to be, they wanted to do their thing. And Brooklyn gave them everything and then started playing hardball. And they didn't want to pay Kyrie Irving because of all the shit I just said. And KD's like, man, fuck this. Requested a trade in the summer. Then they got him to buy in because nobody wanted him. And then now they trade Kyrie and then KD's like out of there. I mean, it's just a circus. It's an absolute circus. Now the Nets, they're not going to get a star for a while and they're going to be in the mud. But here's the thing. Not only did they get four picks back. Mikhail Bridges is a good player. Dorian Finney-Smith is a good player. Nick Claxton is a good player. Spencer Dinwiddie is a good player. Now, who their best player is? I don't know, Mikhail Bridges. But here's the thing. We saw Cam Thomas against the Clippers the other night. That's a special young man, special young basketball player. Nick Claxton, one of the best defenders in the league. Now you got Mikhail Bridges, also one of the best defenders in the league, and Dorian Finney-Smith. So as far as this season, I think they still be able to maintain play-in status. I don't think they'll make the playoffs outright top six seeds, but they're going to make the play-in, and you never know. They, can, they get hot. Cam Thomas, Spencer Dinwiddie, and they have two guys that guard first options in Mikhail Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, it's it's not like they have – it wasn't a horrendous trade, but I think I just feel bad for my, you know, my Nets fans out there because, you know, they had Katie and Kyrie Irving, and, like, honestly, like, I would be more mad at Marks and Cy, yeah, but I'd honestly hate everyone's guts. Like, honestly, KD and Kyrie. Like, KD, like, she's too cool for school for me, you know? And Kyrie Irving, just, he's just ridiculous. But I, I saw him play against Dallas. And by the way, that vlog is going to be up tomorrow. First game for the for the Mavs, Kyrie Irving against the Clippers. It was a really disappointing loss. I went live on, I mean, I did locked on Clippers to talk about it. But he was spectacular, and he was locked in. Is that all I got on the uh, Nets? Yeah. Suns. Holy fuck. Kevin Durant on the Suns? On the Suns. So KD, 
He was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm sorry, he was on the Sonics for one year, on the Oklahoma City Thunder for eight years, on the Golden State Warriors for three, and on the Nets for three and a half, but he didn't play that first year, so really it was only two and a half. Two and a half years was nothing. He didn't even play there as long as Golden State, but he was technically there longer. So funny. Now he's a Phoenix Sun. I can't even imagine Kevin Durant wearing a Suns jersey. That's insane to me. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton are all on the same team. That is ridiculous. Four guys that can go out there and give you 20 points on any given night. You got one of the best players in the league now. Devin Booker is now your second option. Are you fucking kidding me? Chris Paul is the third best player for like the first time in his life. Like, I don't, I mean, I can't speak on his life, but his NBA career, he's never been the third best player. And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, you could argue maybe Ayton in 2023 is better than CP, but in the playoffs, I just trust Chris Paul because he's experienced. But DeAndre Ayton is a hell of a player too. Four star caliber players on one team. And two players that I consider, I, I definitely think Devin Booker's top 15. I think Devin Booker's like ninth or 10th best player in the league, but I'm really high on Devin Booker. Um, but he's definitely top 15 to me, like without question. Kevin Durant is undoubtedly top 10, top seven. So the Suns, I have said on many occasions, I thought their window was shut. I thought their window was closed shut. Now, oh man, that shit blew the, they broke that window. That shit is wide open now. Now all the pressure's on the Suns. But they don't got that much time. Three times has this happened. A big star trade. Big star. I don't consider 2019 Marcus all this level. And it's won a championship. Trade deadline stuff. Mark Aguirre, 1989 Detroit Pistons. Traded for Adrian Dantley. Rashid Wallace. Detroit Pistons. Portland Trailblazers, I believe. Or was it Atlanta? Well, he went to the Pistons. And then... Who's the third? Drexler, obviously. Duh. Can they win the championship? I mean, they've got a great chance. A lot of people are going to consider them favorites now off talent alone. But the same thing with the Lakers. They don't have that much time. But the thing is, I think the fit will be pretty seamless, honestly. Chris Paul just needs... It's going to just take sacrifice from everybody. Even to a degree, KD. But I think KD will just play really good defense. Devin Booker, he's not the man anymore. He's got to be okay with that. His points per game average is going to probably drop to like 25. Big whoop though, right? I think he sh he's going to know the opportunity at hand. And be okay. and he can absolutely, in my opinion, be a second best player on a championship team. I think he had a chance to be the first uh, in, you know, in the coming years. He's pr still pretty young, approaching his prime. Kevin Durant, though, I mean... I, I still, to me, I still haven't seen KD be the best part of the championship team consensus. That Warriors team was a cheat code. You know, let me know in the comments how you feel about this team in terms of, you know, the talent relative to the league compared to the Warriors. The Warriors, I mean, they, relative to the league, they were the most unfair team in the history of the basketball to my, to my, in my opinion. Phoenix, they're a very good team, but they still, they're older still. You know, Chris Paul, in my opinion, is never going to be an all-star again. He still can play on an all-star level, and he's been playing better lately. But he's old. He can't blow by people anymore. The thing is, though, when teams switch everything, now you have two of the best one-on-one -on -one players in the game. It all comes down to them getting along, in my opinion, just buying in. I think the on-the-court fit's not bad. Chris Paul finding, I mean, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant coming off screens. Like, there's so many options now. So many options. It's going to be so easy to create good shots.
The thing about it is though, KD and, and Devin Booker, one of their flaws is, in my opinion, sometimes they don't really get to the rim like that. They're good finishers in my eyes, but they don't get to the rim like that. And for in KD's case, I think mean, I think he doesn't have the same first step he used to have. He's also not never been like a bully, like a guy that when he gets to the rim, like a LeBron or Luca who can just kind of body you. And then Booker, he's a fantastic finisher with both hands, but he's a stop and pop mid-range guy. And I think one of his only flaws, in my opinion, as a, as a player is that sometimes he pulls up for that mid-range when he can honestly keep going to the basket all the way, but I think he doesn't have as much trust in it, especially with his left hand dribbling the ball with a guy on his hip. But I still think it, it won't really matter that much. Are they my favorite to win a championship now? No, I have to see them play. A lot of my friends and people think like they're absolutely favorites, no doubt, before they even touch the floor. I think I just got to see it. And plus, you know, Chris Paul's got to stay healthy. Devin Booker's, you know, had an injury. I hope he stays healthy for the rest of the year. But Chris Paul is the one that always gets injured and very, you know, Big t at big times. So as far as the sacrifice thing, Kevin Durant's going to be straight. He's, he's the man now. I mean, he's, he's always going to be the man. Most teams he goes to, a lot of pressure, in my opinion, on KD now. A lot. Even though he just got traded midseason, you have a stacked squad. Like, you better get this done. And I think this would be a legit, like, looking at it championship in, like, in a respectable way, leading a team. Devin Booker is a pretty amazing second option, though. Like, are you kidding me? D-Book, though, it kind of sucks because I, I wonder how he feels. I, I wonder if he wanted to be the man or if he even cares because the thing is this. The Suns have never won a championship. At the end of the day, he was the one drafted there. So he'll always be the most loved player there. But he's going to have to sacrifice in order to win this ring. He's going to have to sacrifice some shots, some touches, some plays drawn up for him. He probably won't be getting the last shot of games anymore. But Kevin, you know, he's got to accept that. And he may end up with a championship and make history for Phoenix. That's the crazy part, too, is, you know, I wanted to see KD challenge to get that Nets, the, the Nets their first ring. And now he still has a chance to get a franchise's first ring. Phoenix, the, the franchise, in my opinion, besides the Clippers, that is most hungry for a ring. And, oof, it's going to be must-see TV. I'm probably going to be watching, like, all their games when KD plays. Like, I'm going to be watching all of them. And I'm really tempted to watch like all of Kyrie's games, the maps too. So I'm probably going to be adding a little more content to Dime Dropper as this season winds down. It's just, it's must-see TV now. Insane though. KD's played for four teams now. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Ugh. I know it's different times now, but like, it's just still so like, whack. You better win a championship, bro. Like, for real. If it doesn't happen this year, you got to win it next year. And Chris Paul, by the way, in my opinion, he also needs to sacrifice touches and pick and rolls. Okay, at the end of the game, you know what he needs to do? He needs to go 2011 kid. Play good D, be a smart floor general, that vocal presence, that leadership, that you know who to get the ball to in whichever time. But you need to just share the wealth. You need to keep everybody happy. That's where I think Chris Paul needs to really do. Sometimes he wears on guys. And I don't think him and his relationship with Aiton is very good. From the outside looking in, I don't feel like it is. Now, I think Chris Paul needs to realize, man, he's not going to be handled, having so much pick-and-roll spammage in the fourth quarter all the time. He needs to knock down his open shots, attack closeouts, and occasionally still have pick-and-rolls and run them. Kill teams in the mid-range. But when teams switch everything, pass the ball and spot up, fool. <laughs> if Chris Paul does not win a championship here, my goodness, dude. I don't even know what to say. This is a much better team than Jason Kidd had when he was older. And he's still very good, Chris Paul, in my opinion. First time he's ever been a third option. I always said I would love Chris Paul and KD to play together and Chris Paul to be the second option to KD's number one. 
but they, now he's the third. And Aiton, he's the one I'm most worried about because of every all the talks, you know, that he was unhappy and, and all that. I don't think the Suns do a good enough job of empowering Aiton, of letting him dominate, letting him be a beast, letting him really develop as a, to be his future star. They go away from him as the game goes on. At least they had in previous years. I haven't really watched them much this season. And I think Aiden wants to feel like a star. And I think he has the potential to be one. And now he's like the fourth option, third scoring option. But like, I don't know how many shots he's going to be getting. And like, we'll see how happy he is. But again, the Suns need to come together and realize what a special opportunity they have to win a championship for Phoenix and make history for the Valley. And in my opinion, the biggest thing is they lost their best wing defenders. Or, you know, 3 and D guys, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges. Torrey Craig has a big role now. Big role. Shout out to the Super Chat and all the people in the chat. I will read your comments in due time. KD played for five teams, says June 28, July. Sonics, Thunder, Warriors, Nets, and Suns. But yes, but this, you know, Sonics and Thunder, he didn't move franchises, so I give him a pass. And I appreciate the donation as always, June 28, July. Shout out to everybody. You know, super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Also, let me know if my connection's coming in well. I know I've had some problems with StreamYard lately. Is my connection laggy or anything, or is it straight? Let me know in the comment, please, right now in the chat. But yeah, insane win for Phoenix. You know, you lose four first-round picks. You basically throw your future for this, but you open that window back up, and KD's got a couple of good years left, and now he plays with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean, come on. You got to do this. If it means giving up Mikhail Bridges, who I'm sure was loved in Phoenix and I saw his pinned tweet it was I, I want to be a son forever or something and it was kind of sad to see that he tweeted oh my god oh man I feel bad for the guy but the Nets got two good young players man with Cam Johnson and Mikhail but, oh man the Suns the thing is I don't know how long Chris Paul is gonna be on this team either they gotta win it this year man they really gotta win this I can't wait to see them play I fucking hate them though oh my god I want them to lose so badly fuck them <laughs> shout out to my Suns fans though Anything else to say about them? Anything else to say about this trade? TJ Warren, too. Like, that's some good bench help. TJ Warren, Dario Saric. It's going to be about guarding first options. And you know what the thing is? Having four guys that can score and create shots. Now KD and Devin Booker, Chris Paul, can go harder on defense. If they all buy in defensively, I mean, could be curtains for the rest. We'll see. Oh, my God. These Photoshop pictures of KD with a Suns jersey are just insane. All right, the Lakers trading Thomas Bryant to the Denver Nuggets for Davon Reed and three second-round picks. So the Nuggets, they've lacked a backup center this year. That's a good move for, for them to get Thomas Bryant. Now, for Nuggets fans, if I have any, which I don't think I have, he can't really guard the pick-and-roll. Doesn't really get off the ground like that. And I, you know what? He actually has the occasional block, but he doesn't really have great timing. He doesn't seem to deter shots around the rim, and he's not great with his feet either. But offensively, I like him. Occasional post move. Not great, though, but fantastic in the pick and pop. Can really shoot the shit out of the ball for his size. So, good move. I mean, he's a good backup big, absolutely. And sources were saying that he was unhappy about, you know, his lack of minutes when AD came back. As for the Lakers, it's not that bad a loss. Because guess what? I got hoes. They got Mo Bomber for Pat Bev. So, weak ass... Lakers, Pat Bev. Now it's weak ass magic. Your ass got shipped to Siberia to Disney, brother. Pat Bev, man. He only lasted half a season as a Laker. Laker fans are going to probably continue to hate him, and it's gold. You'll always be a clipper, brother. You'll always be a clipper. 
now it's fun because I don't know if I'm rooting for him anymore, but we'll see where he goes. He's going to play for the Magic. Think about Pat Bevis. He's such a, like, don't matter. Now I'm a Magic guy going all out. Like, I, I love that about him. But the Lakers get rid of another guard, which is fantastic. Now they have way more wings, way more size. Like, they just win so big here. And now Mo Bamba is going to be in a little bit of a spotlight as a backup big. But the, the way they can go small, the Lakers with Rui, with Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, it's amazing. The Sixers, underrated move of this deadline. The Sixers are getting Jalen McDaniels for Matisse Tybel and multiple second-round picks. The Blazers are rounding Svi Mikhailuk to Charlotte. So the, the Sixers just got Jalen McDaniels. There is never enough room for guys that fucking guard and have athleticism and can also hit the open three. Philadelphia has such a good team, in my opinion. And honestly, he might replace P.J. Tucker in that starting lineup because P.J. Tucker has been a non-factor offensively in so many games. 76ers have everything laid out for them to make it to the championship. Like, no fucking excuses. But Glenn Rivers and plumber Jim Harden will find a way to screw it up. I just hope Embiid can stay healthy so we can at least see him, like, not have any excuses made for him. Because he always gets hurt, and then he just doesn't play well anymore. Settles for jumpers. Big win for Philly, though. The Pacers are acquiring Bucks guard George Hill in a second-round pick. Pacers will take on Hill's $4 million into space. Listen, George Hill back to Indiana. Oh, what a feel-good story. All right, the Clippers trade is on the next one, so I'm going to wait till the end. Big one here. The Warriors are trading James Wiseman to the Pistons for Sadiq Bay. Woo-wee. James Wiseman, the second pick in the 2020 NBA draft. His era in Golden State comes to an end after two and a half years. The second year in which he didn't play a game because of a season-ending injury. I forget if he tore his ACL or tore his Achilles or what it was. I think it was tore his ACL. Um, I may be wrong. And now... He didn't fit the timeline of Steph Curry and the style of play that Kerr wanted. And I'm not going to lie, Kerr was very impatient with him, did not let him work through his mistakes, and Wiseman's mental health was affected. And I know that because, you know, I know people that are in touch with the Warriors people, and let's just say Wiseman, you know, his family, everybody, they heard the noise, and a lot of Warriors fans wanting him out, and now they got their wishes, Those that section of Warriors fans. He's out, going to Detroit. The thing about it is weird because the Pistons have Jalen Duran, Marvin Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart. So, like, do they have room for Wiseman to develop and work through those mistakes? But if they do give him a chance to work through those mistakes, like a real young player that's a high pick, I'm, gonna, I'm so happy for him in that, if that happens. I'm so happy for him. Sadiq Bey is on the way to Atlanta. They sent five second-round picks to the Warriors. So they got a, sec, you know, a guy that can shoot the ball off the bench. And the Hawks are trading Justin Holiday and Frank the Tank Kaminsky to Houston for Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. Hawks will send Rockets two second-round picks as part of the deal. So the Hawks got rid of Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky, and they got Garrison Matthews and Sadiq Bey and Bruno Fernando. So I don't know if Bruno Fernando will play much because Capella and Okongwu are good, but Matthews and Sadiq Bey, clearly they wanted some shooting off the bench. Multi-trade deal that involves the Clippers. Not going to talk about the Clippers side just yet. Grizzlies sending Danny Green to Houston. So, I don't mean the Houston are, I don't know what the Rockets are doing. Just trying to, I think they're taking on just like expiring deals and just total rebuild. Let's see. 
All right, Mo Bama to the Lakers for Patrick Beverly. The Pistons are sending Kevin Knox to the Warriors as part of the multi-trade, multi-team deal that brings in James Wiseman. It's all Clippers right now in my feed. And then the big one, those five second-round picks that the Warriors got for from the Hawks, they're flipping those. By the way, the Warriors are routing Kevin Knox to the Blazers. But the Blazers are trading, get this, Gary Payton Jr. to the Warriors for those second-round picks. GP2, who just left the Warriors this offseason after coming off a championship, just got traded back. What was Has that ever happened where a guy accepts a contract like that and then goes to the same team that he left midway through the season, didn't even last the season? I mean, what the hell is going on in Portland? What the fuck is going on there? As for the Warriors, huge. He's going to have an even bigger role than he had last season. Now you have a guy that's going to guard all the first options. It's going to be amazing. He's going to be in like their eight or nine-man rotation, and Kaminga's coming along. So the Warriors, they can make a late push here. It's a good move for them. The Blazers, I mean, I don't even know what's going on, man. Hopefully Cam Reddish gets minutes, though. Let's keep it moving. I think we're almost to the Clippers here. And Woj reports the Warriors will save roughly $7 million in luxury tax this year on today's trades and $30 million in 2023-24. So financial move, financial gain, big time. And Woj, as far as the Raptors goes, he says the Raptors never turned out to be sellers, adding Spurs center Jakob Pertl on deadline day. They'll have to make some harder decisions in the offseason, but Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster tested and learned more about the value of several players. So we'll see what happens going forward with Toronto. The Warriors, though, cost-cutting move, and they got more flexibility going forward. Also, the Wizards, random, are working on a contract buyout for Will Barton. All right, time to end it. The LA Clippers, what everybody has been waiting for. Let's read some of the comments before we get into it. Johnny Jonas has been waiting all day for your opinions. I really appreciate it. Lakers Nation asked, has KD ruined the game again? No, I don't think it's that, that, that crazy. I don't think it's an unfair move or the Suns are just clearly you know crazy. Alex Delata says, crazy ass week time. Absolutely. Hollow702 says, does this make the Lakers contenders? Hell no. Is this a great move? Hell yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. But if they make the playoffs, you just never know. Roland says, I think Norm starts now. Okay, we're going to not talk Clippers specifically yet, I guess. A lot of, it's already, you guys are getting into the schemes already in the lineups. Sean Garnes says, Clippers and Lakers need to make noise in the playoffs, make a party this year, disturb the peace. He also says KD is the GOAT at creating super teams. Yeah, how much talent has this guy played with now? Like, it's I've never seen a star play with this much, like a superstar like him, play with this much talent. Big three in OKC. Big Western Conference All-Stars in Golden State. Big three in Brooklyn. And then now a big four in Phoenix. It's insane. Lakers Nation said, can't blame D'Lo for getting mad at that fraud Escar Gobert. I feel you on that. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, though. Bunit Shima says, I don't know if I'm crazy, but I think the Clippers are quietly throwing the season away the way they... Get the fuck out of here, dude. Let's see. Lakers Nation says, Dime smiling. I'm hoping with his knowledge, he says the Suns don't have a chance. No, they absolutely have a chance. Are you kidding? All right. Let's get into it. The Clippers. 
I am so happy, guys. I'm not going to lie. Smiling ear to ear. Like, we did exactly what I wanted. Exactly what I wanted. I mean, almost exactly what I wanted. I would have liked if Senior got traded as well, which is sad. I feel like I hate talking like that because I love Senior. And I appreciate everything he's done. But I said we needed to get rid of Reggie and Senior. By the way, shout out to the Super Chat. Says, I want to know how many NBA 75 players KD's played with. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Right? That's it. And Chris Paul now. Yeah, three. Anyway. Oh, Stephen Curry as well. What am I saying? So that's four. Anyway. Um, where was I? The Clippers. Big time winners. Huge in my opinion. I didn't think we needed to make a big move. I, needed to be, I thought we needed to make small trades. And we made those small trades. And one of the big things was losing Reggie Jackson. Now, before I... I'm going to end with talking about giving him all his flowers because he deserves a fucking bouquet and more. But Reggie Jackson was moved, for those that have not been watching the Clippers, because a guy like Reggie who doesn't hit... When his shot's not falling... He doesn't contribute in any other way because he's an average defender at best when he's trying his hardest. And he doesn't usually do that. Doesn't get over screens well. Doesn't stay in front. This doesn't, it's not a, it doesn't put in effort and he's not a very smart defender either. Doesn't have much interest on that end for the most part. And when he's also playing, doing a little too much, dribbling too much, reckless turnovers, taking the ball away from guys like Powell, Kawhi, Paul George, I mean, that's not a guy that's helping a champion, a team that wants to win a championship. And he was removed from the starting lineup. Ty started giving him a smaller role. And his attitude, from what I heard from many people within the Clippers, totally changed. He wasn't really talking to media like that. His just total different, totally different body language. And, you know, it's crazy because for all the great things I'm going to say about Reggie's attitude, Robert Covington has been slighted all season long. And he sat, he's been sitting there, still smiling, still clapping, and being a pro. Reggie Jackson, he couldn't accept that he was just not good enough to start anymore and possibly not good enough to play anymore. And there were a couple of games where he didn't even play. And I think that's where he got really sad and realized the possibilities of him potentially not playing. And we need to get rid of him because he would just do things that were detrimental when he played, in my eyes. And then let's talk about. Who the Clippers brought in. First trade that we made. Busy Bones Highland. Now I know what you may be thinking. You're talking about guys that don't affect the game when their shot's not falling. And you got Busy Bones Highland. And that's exactly why the Nuggets traded him. Yes. But here's the thing about Busy Bones. He is an absolute firecracker off the bench. I watched this guy go absolutely bonkers in game four of the playoffs last year against the Warriors, go nuts off the bench. Can he guard? No. Does he seem to have much interest in guarding? Not really. Will he be that effective when a shot's not falling? No. Does it make sense that the Clippers went for a guy who wanted a bigger role allegedly for a team that's competing for a championship and is coming to a team that is also competing for a championship? I have no idea. It doesn't really make sense in that way. And by the way, the Clippers will send the Nuggets 2024 and 2025 second round picks. So who cares? In my opinion, a win though for the Clippers. Because here's the thing. We got younger. If we're going to get a Reggie Jackson kind of player, we got a younger one who's more talented 
And he's, this is the main thing, so much faster off the fucking bounce. He can get to the rim. He puts on rim pressure. He's electric. But in my opinion, his minutes are not going to be that consistent. I don't know if they can be. And that's where he, can he be a pro? I heard he was really best, you know, he was not professional. He walked off the bench, went to the locker room and just left the, the Nuggets bench. And he was having problems with Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray subtweeted about him, you know, talking about you can't talk about stuff without putting the work in. It was a whole shit show. And, and it's funny because I was reading some Nuggets fans' comments tonight. And a lot of them are sad. Some of them are understanding, but they're sad. They know the talent of this guy. Clippers just got a good young player. And oh man, I think he's going to do some crazy things. But the thing is, Ty Lue with the moves I'm also going to talk about in a second. He still has a team with 11 good players on it. And next, the next move. This one kind of hurt. I can't lie. And I'm still going to talk about Reggie, by the way. Don't think I'm not. This one really hurt. The Clippers are sending Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies who are sending three second-round picks to the Clippers. So the Clippers, you know, we got some picks back for them. But Newt Kennard, we had a feeling that it could be coming to an end. And it did. Really tough to see Newt go. Because he was still having a pretty good season. It's been bothered by a calf injury, though, and bad three-guard lineups that he's been a part of. But Newt Kennard is still shooting 45% from deep. He's still an improving basketball player. And, you know, I had that Nuke shirt that my man Ernie gave me, by the way. If you want that shirt, please, if you, if you want to go get a Luke shirt, laclipset.com, the Nuke shirt. But we're going to miss Luke Kennard, man. He's a really good player, and his best years are ahead of him. He can shoot the ball better than almost any guy I've seen on the Clippers, just pure shooting, better than Redick, in my opinion. Um, I'm a big fan. Underrated off the bounce. Very good addition for Memphis. And all Taylor Jenkins needs to do to get the best out of Kennard is just play him every game. Just give him at least 15 to 20 minutes every game, and he's going to be fine. He lost his confidence at the end of his Clipper tenure, and it's sad to say that I was at Reggie and Kennard's last game as Clippers. And again, it's going to be a vlog coming up tomorrow that you can check out. But it's a good move for Memphis. But here's the thing. As far as sentimental goes, man, shout out to Ernie, man. That's your text. I, gotta I didn't know you were going to text me in the middle of live, man. I had to turn my text notifications off. But let's talk about it, Clipper. Now, that's Clipper Nation in the house, man. 41 people. And over, we're later than midnight right now. And by the way, if you're listening to me and you're you know, on Spotify or Apple this long, shout out to you. But the Clippers got one of my, I don't know if he's in my top 10 favorite Clipper list, but we got Eric Gordon back, baby. <laughs> I love, listen, man, when we drafted Eric Gordon in 2008 out of Indiana, I didn't know jack shit about the guy. But in 2008-9 season, he won me over right away. I went to a game, two games that season, to see the great rookie Eric Gordon, baby. And you know what he did? You know what EG did? You know what's funny, though? He said, okay, I'm going to have to... Um, Sorry, Ernie. <laughs> but Eric Gordon, in his first season with the Clippers, now I know what you're thinking, why is this relevant? Man, let me fucking talk about Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, in his first season with the Clippers, averaged 16 points a game. And I went to a game that season where he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with KD. I think it was his career high. 
He had like 42 points or something as a rookie going head to head with KD and we won. It was amazing. And then there was another game where I was sitting close, like by the by the tunnel. And he had this against Brandon Roy and the Blazers, and they beat the shit out of us. Brandon Roy was something. And Eric had an amazing dunk. And in 09-10, he averaged 17 points a game. And he was my favorite player on the Clippers in 09-10, probably. And then debatably his rookie year. It was our first year with Baron Davis, so probably not. Baron Davis was my favorite player first year. But his second year, I would probably say Eric Gordon. But the third year going into it, I mean, Blake won me over right away. But he averaged 22 points a game with the Clippers on 45% shooting, 36 from three. And funny enough, he's shooting similar splits to that right now. 44% from the field and 35 from three, although it is a different era. That's much more inefficient compared to then relatively. But here's the thing. He's taking some tough shots in Houston. And the, the reason why the Rockets traded him, and my locked on Clippers is going to be really good tomorrow. I had a really knowledgeable Rockets fan that watches every game, a little younger than me, going to be probably joining us for a lot of future Rockets-related episodes. But he was saying that Eric is still great and he's going to be perfect in the role that you want him in. And what he was saying was that the only reason why we wanted to trade him is because Steven Silas was like acting like he was our star player when we're trying to develop these young guys. And you know what's funny is we played against him this season, the vlog, Paul George game winner. You can check it out. Eric Gordon was going toe-to-toe with him one-on-one. It's like, dude, isn't this Jalen Green's team? Isn't this Kevin Porter Jr.'s team? Like, it's no point of Eric Gordon being there. Eric Gordon wants to play for a contender. He's made comments publicly this season that he's just, like, not been fucking with it. So for him to return home, I mean, to me, Eric Gordon's a better player than Kennard. Is he a better fit for the Clippers? I'm not sure because Luke's so great off the ball and can just spot up. Eric Gordon, I don't know how much he moves without the ball. It's been so long since I've watched him with that kind of lens. But he can definitely spot up. And he's so much better off the bounce. He's a better scorer, point blank. And he's a better defender because he can't get bodied. That's the one thing about Luke. He's an improving defender, but he's still not a very good defender. Eric Gordon, he's not a very good defender at this age. But when he tries, he's definitely decent. And he can't... We saw it against Paul George. He didn't get bodied like that. He was bumping him because he's strong as shit. It's really just laterally, I don't think he's got it much anymore. But I think it's an upgrade overall. It's just a matter of if it fits better. But having Eric Gordon back from a sentimental point, like, trust me, I love Luke Kennard, but not compared to Eric Gordon, dude. Are you kidding? I mean, we had Eric Gordon for three years. We had Luke for two and a half. And Eric was such a better player. I mean, I was devastated when we traded Gordon. I mean, not, I wouldn't say devastated. It was bittersweet because Chris Paul was like, I mean, come on, Chris Paul in his prime. We traded Eric and I was so sad. And Eric had so many injuries, you know, in New Orleans. But I was happy that he got to make the playoffs with them in 2015. He played 61 games that year. But he only averaged 13 points. Like, he was falling off. And then he had, like, a revitalization in Houston and just improved his three ball like crazy and just kept throwing him up there. And he eventually won a sixth man of the year in 2016-17. And... He was really good in 2018 when they made that run of the conference finals and still good in 2019. So we'll see. Eric Gordon back on the clips. I like the move, man. I think it's still a good move. And the biggest thing that he said, the Rockets fan, my my, my guy Will, that's going to be amazing for us, he said his best attribute is getting to the basket because he's super strong and he still has a decent first step. And when you look at Bones Highland, you look at Eric Gordon, that's the theme. 
Clippers want guys that get to the rim, but their jumpers also respected. And you know what that is? A smart front office that knows what the fuck they're doing. Stop doubting Lawrence Frank with a capital LA and the logo. They made a bad move with John Wall, but you know what? I think it's because they're feeding into the Kawhi and Paul George and Ty Lue point guard fetish. They want a point guard so bad. There aren't that many good ones out there without wanting Terrence Mann to go. And we don't have that many guys that are guarding first options. And Bones Highland and Eric Gordon don't fix that. So Terrence Mann and Nico Batum need to do the grunt work in that aspect. But the biggest win of the day, the thing the Clippers needed more than anything, a backup big. And oh boy, we traded Reggie for him. It just couldn't get better than that. We got a starting center. Not even a backup center, a starting center. Mason Plumley, a guy who beat us in the 2016 playoffs, is still averaging a near double-double, can pass the ball, can rebound, can finish around the rim to a decent degree. Good pick-and-roll guy on the roll. He's more athletic than Zoo. He's averaging 12-10. and 10. On 67% shooting, and he started 56 games this year for Charlotte. Dude, that is such a W for the Clippers. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, this absolutely was a great consolidation trade for the Clips. You lose Reggie Jackson, who's hurting the team this year. You trade John Wall to Houston for Eric Gordon. And John Wall, by the way, I feel really bad about that. I'm going to talk about the guys that left in a second. But John Wall... You're not going to play him. So you trade both the guys that I said shouldn't have been playing anymore, Reggie and John, out the door. And you bring in Bones Highland, who's a better version of Reggie right now. Maybe not as, I can't say smarter because Reggie's so low IQ for NBA player. Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumley. I mean, come on, the Clippers got so much better. Are you kidding? Now, here's the thing. I am a little bit concerned about Bones Highland's fit because he wants a bigger role, but we're also a championship contender. And he's not, guys that don't guard and are only dependent on what they're doing offensively, scoring the ball, are not going to play much come playoff time. So he needs to be ready for that. He's going to bitch and complain here. So I want him to be locked in here. He's gonna, it's going to be different. But hopefully he'll have, I think he'll still have some good games and even in the playoffs, hopefully. It depends if he plays much. I'll talk about the rotation in a second, but... That's my concern with Bones because he's one of those players that he's like an energizer in terms of just a bucket, sixth man type. So, But here's my issue. We have three guys now that are sixth man type, score guys. Eric Gordon, Norm, who's going to win sixth man of the year, and Bones Highland. It's that, is that too much, you know, just straight buckets off the bench? Too much of the same thing? That's why I don't know if Bones can play. But Mason Plumley, I mean, come on. I'm shocked that the Clippers didn't trade Rocco. So let's go into the lineup, right? I think Terrence Mann, Kawhi, the starting lineup is probably going to remain the same. Now, I think Nico Batum should be starting instead of Senior, and Senior's minutes should just be getting cut a lot, especially now that we have a backup big. But Senior is probably going to keep starting if I know Ty Lue well. So let's say we keep the starting lineup. I don't mind it. Bench, Norman Powell's guaranteed to play. Mason Plumlee should, I mean, he, he's earned the right to play with his double-double stat line in the league. I know it's on a shitty team, but we've seen him do good things for winning teams. So Mason Plumlee, and then Nico Batum, obviously. So those guys are guaranteed to play, those eight. Robert Covington, oh, and Eric Gordon probably is too at this point. So 
You don't really have a backup point guard. That's Bones Highland. So it depends. It's it's again, he has a tough decision to make. Does he want to go with a full three guard lineup of Bones? Now it's the new three guard lineup: Bones Highland, Norman Powell, and Eric Gordon. The thing is, Eric Gordon and Norman Powell are six four, but they're a big six four. Question is, can they keep up defensively with those three if they're out there with Nico and? But then see, there's Rocco. We have an eleventh man. Like it, we still have a little bit of an issue, and now we had to learn how to manage those guys' minutes in the next 20 games. So it's still going to be a task for Ty Lue, but the Clippers got better. Just a matter of now, Ty Lue putting the pieces together. And as for the point guard thing, no, I don't think the Clippers should get Westbrook because I love Russ, but it's the same thing as Wall, just upgraded. We're a half-court team. You can try to push the pace all you want, but the Clippers are a half-court team in the end, and in the playoffs, the game slows down. Russell Westbrook, when the game slows down, team's going to go underneath every single screen, he still ends up shooting shots. I've talked about it on Lake on my post-game lives with the Lakers. He still shoots threes like he's a decent three-point shooter. He's not. And he still makes terrible decisions down the stretch. And he's not the same finisher he once was, and he doesn't always guard. Would he be a better fit with the Clippers? Yes, he would. He's played with Paul George and all that, but we don't need a point guard that bad. And in my opinion, Russ, if he closes games, he will tank it. He will tank it. And I love Westbrook. I honestly, like, before Paul George, Kawhi were Clippers. I like Westbrook more than both of them by far. But I'm just being honest. I don't think we need another point guard that can't shoot the ball. Anyways. And I'm not even a guy that thinks three-point shooting is the end-all be-all. Now let me end it before I I guess look at the comments. Yeah, in the live. But let's start with John Wall. You know, it seemed like everybody was so high on the John Wall move, and I was actually one of the people that wasn't high on it. But I was talked into giving it a chance because, you know, you just want to be optimistic as a fan. But I saw the, what he did in Houston, and I just didn't think that would impress me. And every single thing I said came true. And I tried to get behind it. I mean, the preseason, he looked so good. In the beginning of the season, he looked so much better than Reggie. We never really gave him a chance to start alongside Kawhi and Paul George, which I know a lot of fans were calling for, but it just didn't really work out. And I heard that he wasn't happy with his role. He wanted to start. I think he expected he was going to win the starting role over Reggie because I do think he is a better player than Reggie. And he wanted to play alongside Paul George and Kawhi. He didn't get that. And I heard he wasn't, you know, the best to be around at that time. But he followed me on Twitter. He liked a couple of my tweets. I've always been a John Wall fan. I was wearing his shirt today before he even I heard the news he got traded. And I, I truly wish him the best, and I hope he finds his place somewhere in the league because I genuinely believe he's a really good dude, and I think he's had it rough the last couple of years. I know he has. He's expressed it to the world, and I love how open he is about you know expressing himself and his emotions, and I relate to that a lot. So I, I wish him the best. Luke Kennard. Oh, brother, what can I say? When we traded Shamit for Kennard, the emotional fan in you, you, know, you, get, you get emotionally attached to these players when they do big things for you and big things for your franchise. And when Landry Shamit, everybody on that 2019 team I just loved. But when Landry Shamit made that shot when we, to beat the Warriors, even though we lost the series, but to come back against a team that is up there with the most stacked teams in the history of the game, coming back from 31 down, those kind of moments stick with you. And you didn't want to see a player like that go. And I knew Luke Kennard was a decent player. I knew he could shoot. But I didn't know that much about him. I didn't want to trade Shamit for him. And I was disappointed with how much money we paid him. But man, it took a couple of weeks for Kennard to win me over. 
In the beginning, it was the whole thing about Luke Kennard hesitating to shoot and Ty Lue pulling him out of the middle of practice, saying that if you don't shoot the ball, I'm taking you out. And he had such a such a short leash with Luke, while Reggie Jackson's and Marcus Morris Seniors is from Palmdale to downtown. I mean, it's, it's a little unfair, and I, I really am disappointed in Ty for that because that's absolutely one of the reasons that Kennard got traded because he you know, took away his confidence, in my opinion, by taking him out so much. And, you know, Kennard has had some injury issues with the Clippers, especially this year with the calf injuries. But, you know, he goes one for five and you just don't play him at all one game and then you just play him five minutes. Like, it's just, he's a shooter and shooting, it's all about confidence. You got to let him play and get his shot back. So let's continue with the Kennard praise. 2021, I mean, in the second half of the season, he was playing more. He was fantastic. I mean, one of the highlights, I'd say, of the regular season, for him was that game against Atlanta where at home, no fans still. Ty Lue pulls out the starters. Kawhi Paul were getting blown out. And Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey lead the charge back. Luke Kennard hits a half-court shot at the end of the third quarter. Special moment. And he didn't play much in the playoffs, but when he was starting to play, like game one against Utah, game seven against Dallas, I remember him hitting a huge three in the second half. He played pretty well. It wasn't until the Phoenix series where he wasn't playing well anymore. I think he was maybe a little worn down. It was also, you know, the highest level of basketball he's ever played in his life. So, you know, it's normal that he wouldn't be that great the first time. But he won me over so quick. And I knew that season we had won the trade. And I wanted to see him, you know, continue to be Luke Kennard. And last season, oh, man, he was so great. You can go to my vlogs, man. Especially my Luke Kennard went nuclear against Houston vlog. This motherfucker was pulling up in the parking lot. One of the best shooters we've ever had. You know, amazing moving without the basketball. Can shoot from deeper than a guy like Redick or Piakowski. Can absolutely shoot from everywhere. And he's also good in the mid-range and has a decent pull-up off the bounce. He has like one move, that drive go into his right, stop on a dime, step back, mid-range. And he occasionally makes that nice pump fake inside. Well, he doesn't really have like a one-on-one -on -one game like that. He's just an amazing shooter. But he also, I think he's underrated in the pick and roll. Like we saw last season when we didn't have um, a point guard besides Reggie when we traded Bledsoe. The Clippers ran with Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, and Luke Kennard all like splitting time at the de facto point guard when Paul George was hurt. And we got by because Luke Kennard is still a smart basketball player. I think he has a high basketball IQ. And when he comes off screens, you got to respect him. You can't go drop coverage on Luke Kennard unless you got a really good player getting over screens. Because he's walking into threes, it's a bucket. It's a bucket. And he also has a mid-range as well. So last season he was fantastic. It, and I think that was a big reason we didn't beat the Pelicans personally or the Wolves. He got injured for the play-in games. And that was tough. And we forget that. And this season, you know, I was saying that he was the odd man out before the season. And I think the John Wall trade apps, or signing absolutely hurt Kennard. Absolutely hurt him. Because then it made it his, his job not secure like it was last season. And it absolutely had him going through some slumps and whatnot. And obviously the injury made things worse. So it's really sad that Luke Kennard's tenure as a Clipper comes to an end after two and a half years. You know, he's, his best years are ahead of him. And I loved watching that guy shoot the ball. It literally felt like he would not miss. Like he, every time he shot the ball, I thought it would go in. And there are very few players that I felt that way about as a Clipper. Maybe, I don't know if I've ever felt that way about a Clipper. Even Red Bait, I, I don't like him. So I'm not going to even say his name, but he wasn't a better shooter than me than Kennard. Maybe on the move, you can argue he was, like those leaners, but not like Kennard. So I'm going to miss Nuke. And it's really, it, ugh, 
Memphis, my second least favorite team. Like, fuck that. Like, oh my God, I can't. It's the first Memphis Grizzly I'm actually going to root for. Because I, I really wish Luke the best. I really wish it had worked out for him. I don't think he wanted to leave. It was just sad, man. Tyloo blew it with that one. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. Where do I begin? I don't know if a player for the Clippers, I mean, I've only been a Clipper fan for 18 years, but I don't know if a player's ever had their perception within their time as a Clipper change like Reggie. We signed him in the middle of the 2020 season. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought we had enough guys that can get buckets off the bench. I mean, we had two six man of the years candidates. And in the bubble, I thought Reggie was awful. I wanted him off the team. Said he was a low IQ player, all this stuff. All the stuff we still say now. But we kept him. Signed him. I wasn't happy about it. And when Patrick Beverly got hurt frequently in the 2020-2021 season, Reggie Jackson started after getting benched earlier in the season for doing too much. And we got introduced to catch and shoot Reggie. And catch and shoot Reggie was a special thing. Shooting like 40 plus percent from the three, hitting big shots late, hit a game winner in Detroit. And you know, I think that was his return to Detroit. He had a pull up game winner. And then it was just, a re he was a revelation that season and in the playoffs. How can we forget? You know, everybody that broke that was on the team for the Curse Breaker team is going to always hold a special place in my heart. And Reggie Jackson, like we don't do that without him. And I was at every I was at every home game. And I, I you know what? You can say whatever you want, but the reason why the Reggie chant was started, in my opinion, I was the first one to do it. I got the tweets to prove it. I I'll stand on it. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm half joking, but like the thing is this: we started chanting Reggie for Reggie Evans in 2012, right? So. We didn't have fans the first whole year of Reggie Jackson playing for the Clippers. We started having fans in the playoffs. We were still cardboard cutouts all the way up until game six. So there was no Reggie chance then. In game six, I'm sorry, game seven of the first round, Reggie Jackson had come off a really good game six. And I said, there's cardboard cutouts in this stadium. If I yell Reggie's name and start chanting it, the mics and people may be able to hear me better because it's more, you know, it's hollow. Like, it's not, it's not so many people in the arena. And I started doing it, and I tweeted. I remember I said, I started doing it on the first week, and nobody did it with me. And I remember the next time you went to the line, some other people started doing it. And then everybody on TV heard it. And then the second round, we started doing it again. And in game six, we started doing it again. And then the conference finals, everybody started doing it. And then... It was just stuck. And then Clipper Spencer, Batum Battalion, and Re that lady with the Reggie Vision goggles started doing it every game in 207 all of last season. I mean, to, to feel like maybe I was the guy that did it or even was a part of something like that that gave Reggie so much confidence. And let, let me be clear. It's not because our the fans chanting his name that he was so good for the Clippers. Reggie Jackson, just, I've, there was never, there's never been a player on the Clippers that I would go, what the fuck are you? Oh my God, what a shot. Like he had more of those moments than I've ever, I could ever tell you. Like every sh shot where I'm just like, what is this guy doing? Oh my God, he made it. Like how'd he make that? And I have one of those moments in my game seven vlog. I mean, let's just, just let's talk about game six for a second. Like Reggie Jackson literally turned into Kyrie 
Like, come on, son. Like, that's going to be remembered for, like, the rest of everyone's lives that gives a shit about this franchise like me. And why are we not on the Clippers court right now? Why are we in Brooklyn? Get the fuck out of here. Let's go home. Reggie Jackson. This is the side of the building in which Reggie Jackson turned into Kyrie Irving in real time in HD on Dime Dropper, and I was there to witness it. He was <laughs> insane, quite frankly. And even in the conference finals, still had some big games. And let's talk about last season. You know, and going into last season, we didn't know if Reggie was going to be a clipper. And we, when he was getting all emotional about what the Clippers did for him that season, this, the fans, the team, you know, that, that, I, I, may, I may shed tears if I watch that video right now. Like, it was to see a player get that emotional just showed you how much he cared. I remember chanting his name when he walked off the floor against Phoenix one last time, not knowing if he was going to come back. And, like, I, I really didn't like the way Reggie Jackson played when he was first signed with the Clippers. And for him to become, like, I don't, I don't know where he ranks in my favorite Clippers or whatnot, but I have so much love for the guy, man. And I, I was one of the people that wanted him traded. But that's because I, I care more about the name on the front than the name on the back. But here's the thing about Reggie Jackson, and this is why this hurts at the end of the day. If anyone gave a fuck about the name on the front, it was Reggie Jackson. He treated the fans better than any player I saw. Any player I saw. The staff, um, like the everything I heard about how he treated the writers. Just a quality human being. A fun guy. No pun intended, even though we have Kawhi. The moments of Reggie dancing, the smiles. Last season was fun because of Reggie. Paul George misses 51 games. Kawhi misses 82. I went to 23 games last season. And how many of them were made because of Reggie fucking Jackson? I went to a game where he had a game winner against Orlando. It's on the it's on the channel. Like, I wasn't at the game where he skipped all the way down the court to make a game winner against the Lakers. But this man had three game winners off the top of my head. I don't even think Kawhi's had three game winners with the Clips. Like, this guy, last season was fun because of Reggie. And he repped the Clippers so hard. I don't know how many people that have repped it like him. It's just, it didn't work this season. It just didn't happen. You know, we worked Reggie so hard. If Kawhi and Paul George didn't get injured as much, injured as much as they did, who knows if Reggie would have looked like he declined this much? And it's not a crazy decline. He's a, he's worse. He's not insanely worse than last season, but he's worse. And he's playing for a team where you have less margin for error and a shortened role. So you got to make use of those minutes. And a guy that doesn't hit shots consistently and makes careless decisions and doesn't guard is going to have trouble playing on a team that has championship aspirations. And he's older. And Reggie's going to get bought out by Charlotte. He may go to Phoenix. I don't think he's better than campaign, though. I think it'd be funny if he goes to Denver. So like we basically swap Highland for Reggie. We get a younger, more talented Reggie. But I just want to say to Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard, thank you. Both of them. But Reggie Jackson, especially, like from the bottom of my heart, as a kid that grew up watching a team with in a you know largely empty arena in Section Three Eighteen with my family, just never knowing we'd reach a conference finals, and there were so many years, even after Lob City, like even after, especially after the bubble, where I was like, man, we're never gonna make the conference final. Like, it's just not meant to be. And it would take Herculean efforts to ever do it, and that Herculean effort number one came from Terrence Mann. Reggie Jackson, the whole season, the whole playoffs. Like, 
There's no 2021 Clippers without Reggie. There's no 2021 Clippers without Reggie. I don't know what he'll be most remembered as, a Piston, a Oklahoma City Thunder, or a Clipper. It's debatable, but, man, ask him where he had the most fun. I would be shocked if he doesn't say here. Reggie Jackson, man. Big government. Wish wish you all the best, both in his career and in life. You will be sorely missed, my brother. Sorely missed. And I'm just going to do this for you. What was that? One more time. Bang! Oh, what a man. Sorry if I burst your eardrums on that. Thank you for so much for joining me. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat.